Hello, all you Tampa Bay Rays fans out there. Welcome to The Hit Show, a brand new podcast emanating from the SB Nation blog, D-Rays Bay. My name is Dustin, and I'm super excited to be here with managing editor of D-Rays Bay, Danny Russell. Danny, welcome to this brand new experience. Now everyone knows what I sound like. (laughs) (laughs) It's the biggest worry. I am part of the anonymous internet, and now you know my voice. Hello. Well, hey, now now we can start doing voice print identification against you, and uh, your life's going to change from this point forward. I'm sorry to say, Danny. The future is a scary place. Yeah, so speaking of the future... Uh, this is an interesting experiment that we're trying here to capitalize on the D-Rays Bay blog, all of the exciting writers and the content, the fans and the posters, and, and try to encapsulate the spirit of that into a podcast to talk about our favorite team, the Rays. Once upon a time, there was a podcast. It was called Podcast TB Named Later, which is a very clever take on player to be named later. Uh, but... This is a brand new invention. This is the hit show. Um, We will have a rotating cast. So the different writers will have different topics and they'll come in and talk about what they're passionate about, what they're interested in, what's on their mind. Today, it's just you and me. Um, We can assign members of the hit show to be each of us if we really want to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Today, I like to be Fred McGriff. You're welcome to be Jose Canseco. Do I have to? I'd rather be Carlos Pena if it's all the same to you. That is not the hit show. Oh, <laughs> you have to put this in the right time frame. This is like 2000, 2003, like those four years of the hit show. All right. Well, that's fine. Then I'll be Greg Vaughn. You can be Greg Vaughn. Okay. Greg Vaughn. Yeah, I'm Greg Vaughn. Okay. Well, I think, uh, I, I think everybody's going to remember the hit show and be looking forward to a lot of new and interesting content. Like you said, we don't exactly know how this is all going to shape out, but we do know that we're going to be excited to hear and take input from all of the fans and all the folks who are regular be- readers of the blog. So if you've got any thoughts or ideas that you want to share with us about the podcast, drop us an email. You can reach us at draysbaypodcast at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can always hit us up on Twitter at draysbay and let us know what you think about the show. We're getting really close here to the start of baseball season, Danny, and I'm, I don't know about you, but my blood's starting to just boil i've got butterflies in my stomach <laughs> pitchers and catchers are reporting I, I mean what what do you make of this new season for the race we're finally going to have concrete information <laughs> i'm sorry hold on you just said pitchers and catcher report and i started levitating a little bit off the ground it was that <laughs> moment i'm so caught up in that this season is going to be ridiculous because there's actually um an offensive approach and you know Kevin Cash was on the countdown to opening day uh, radio broadcast which I believe is on Thursday evenings from Ray's radio and it's a podcast that everybody should listen to he was definitely hammering this idea that we can't get confused that we always want to be able to pitch we being the Rays and I apologize if I talk about the Rays like I'm you know a plurality with them but they do feel like a we that's the joy of baseball And pitching and defense is still the main focus, but now there is thump, which is the appropriate word for it, because we have the Lakeland launcher, we have Corey Dickerson, we have people who are going to try really hard to hit home runs and at least hit the ball really, really far. 
I think that's a fantastic take, and it's something that, uh, considering what kind of field Tropicana is, uh, it's certainly a pitcher-friendly park. But you know, it's nice to see people jacking jacking it out, and and I'm hoping that we'll get a lot. That more sounded offense. slightly inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we can't be slightly inappropriate, then what 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 good is living? It's no longer the anonymous internet. That's true. Well, I'm not so worried about that. Uh, I'll take responsibility for, for that. But certainly looking forward to a substantial increase in the offense. But now we're also going to get some great arms back this, this season. Chris Archer is coming back. He'll be the ace of the staff. Jake Odorizzi is coming back. And the two of them can handle high-inning workloads. They can be workhorses to allow the bullpen to be flexible Hopefully not as much as it was required last year, but continue to be flexible. Erasmo Ramirez continues his role in the rotation, presumably, at least for now, possibly a swingman in the future, but Mr. Consistency right now in the rotation. We add in Matt Moore, who had a full off season of uh, training to prepare for this upcoming spring training. Drew Smiley is probably healthy. Drew Smiley is interesting because his rotator cuff was the issue last year. When all year I felt like we were told it was an old labrum injury that had reawoken. It's really, I would presume, complex and nebulous, and they have no reason to tell us what exactly a shoulder problem is. But it'll be interesting just to see if he can pitch consistently like his old self. It's starting to look like a fantastic rotation, and it's something that I'm I'm really looking forward. Especially, I think Matt Morris' control is going to come back a little shaky there towards the end of last year while he was working the kinks out. Oh, but September was great. Absolutely was. And I'm I'm that I think, you know, showing the promise of what we're going to be looking at here in twenty sixteen. I think he had a really good approach down the stretch. I think it would have been really easy to lose focus, actually for the whole team. Games one sixty, one sixty one, one sixty two were still really high energy games, grand slams, Tim Beckham doing his thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of that probably had to do with good coaching and good motivation on behalf of the players and playing spoiler to the Blue Jays. But just letting loose, getting all your uh, batting in for the rest of the season and Matt Moore going out there and getting his reps in, he looked really solid. He looked really dialed in, and it's that superior focus that's really going to bring him through. So, Danny, all these names are, are fantastic, and we're looking forward to seeing what these guys can do on the mound. But Jim Hickey got extended during this offseason. How big the is best that? move of the offseason. Forget the Corey Dixon trade. Jim Hickey's coming back. The guy is su- such uh, such a magician. I mean, he's managed to, to help so many guys find their way. And is it possible that he's the secret sauce this season? I think it's possible he's the secret sauce every season. And the fact that the Rays have retained him, that he likes being part of the organization, that his family likes being in Tampa Bay, is a testament to the organization in and of itself. But it's also kind of his baby. This is his creation, and he wants to continue seeing it through, even when other people left. Are we going to have a Jim Hickey statue outside the stadium one day? <laughs> oh, man, I would We might as that. well at this point. Yeah, his 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 work certainly goes down in in the history books of this team and and the the young arms that he's coached to excellence and even going back to what what uh, him and his staff did with Fernando Rodney in in Rodney's record setting season, uh, got a guy who's a cast off, uh, turns around and 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 sets sets all kinds of records, leaves the Rays and things change for him. But hey, uh, that that magical moment while he was he was hanging hanging his hat in Tampa Bay was was pretty special and how often that's the story every single off season 
And I don't think we really got to appreciate that last year out of the relievers. There was a couple guys who you thought were going to get things turned around. Ernesto Frieri, the corn grinder himself, he was supposed to come in and just be fixed magically and become the dominant closer he was for the Angels before, and he wasn't. Grant Balfour got brought in after his physical didn't go well with the Orioles, and that didn't work out either. And all of a sudden, when all the pitchers are getting hurt in April, we had to turn to guys like Steve Geltz, and uh, he killed it, and maybe that was Hickey. Maybe it was just him coming into his own. But when we needed the bullpen most, the bullpen stepped up and kept the team afloat in the first half, at least enough to stay competitive in the division. So we've got all these, these fantastic names on the mound. We had to say goodbye to Jake McGee, who, uh, ah. you know, important arm in the bullpen, but, but certainly uh, the, the, the keystone of a major trade for us in this offseason. Right. He was the longest tenured guy of the organization. Players loved him. Uh, very importantly, they liked him as a person. They liked his wife as well. They were a really big influence on the team in and of itself. So that's not an easy trade for the Rays to make interpersonally. And also, he was Mr. Consistency for most of his career, uh, even though his nickname coming up was Clock Hands, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he's a larger guy. And he kept injury away for much of his major league career. And then last year, we had a knee surgery. Um, we had two significant injuries. Uh, there was the elbow heading into the season that delayed his start. His year just really got derailed, and the Rays selling high on him, respectively, to an organization that was willing to turn something over like Corey Dickerson is just amazing. So that puts a lot of a lot of the weight carrying us forward in a closer capacity on on Boxy. And uh, how do how do you think he's going to bounce back from that second half that he had? I'm not sure how much of that is anything other than variance. I think as a whole for last season, Brad Boxberger is going to be his 2015 self all over again. I don't think we're going to see 2014 setting the world on fire, record-breaking Brad Boxberger ever again. But I do think he's going to be good enough to remain the closer. Well, I hope so. I definitely uh, definitely was cheering for him and uh, had him on a couple fantasy teams as well. <laughs> when the race when the races got close in my fantasy leagues, it was it was like the saves no! rack up. I know, yeah. Well, he led so, the American League in saves, and that's important. Yeah. I think this really gets into what we need to be watching for in spring training, though, as pitchers and catchers support. I have a little bit of a of a personal obsession with the knuckleball. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, writer Adam Sanford for the, for the blog talked about two guys who got invited to, to camp, Eddie Gamboa and Jeff Howell, both throwing the knuckler. I'm actually totally excited to, to see what these guys do. I know that Gamboa learned under Phil Necro, which is if you're going to learn the knuckleball, that's the guy to learn it from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do you, what do you think? You think these guys have a chance of making the squad? I think it's an intentional approach from the Rays. And it's an experiment at the same time, but they hired Charlie Hager to come in and be a pitching coordinator specifically to work with these guys and teach them knuckleball. And I think the real story is why did this take so long? We saw it with the Blue Jays when they acquired R.A. Dickey, how much the knuckleball is affected by whether or not a roof is closed and how it flutters differently in a domed environment. And the Rays still never really took advantage of that. And this year they're going to by taking a flyer on a couple guys and that's what we wait for with pitchers and catchers reporting. This is not the end of spring training. We can't really say Eddie Gambo is destined for the major league bullpen. <laughs> Sorry, Danny Farquaad. 
all we can say is, hey, this guy has a legitimate shot because the Rays are institutionally pursuing the knuckleball right now. And that's exciting. And that's something you can watch for. Uh, when it comes to all these bullpen guys, I do think the best thing you can do with pitchers and catchers reporting is listen to Rays Radio, follow those guys on Twitter, if at all possible. Check your Twitter for pitching updates because as these guys come in, as they start experimenting with new pitches, talk to each other. Jake Gertorizzi, when he picks up, what did they call it, Thing 2, mm-hmm. his split change that he learned from Cobb, yeah. that came about in conversation. We really just started finding out about that. And then it let the world on fire. But if you pay attention during these early times, we start hearing about these conversations, find out what these guys are working on, and it directs our expectations for the season. So I'm just curious, out of the blue, what's the craziest named pitch you've ever heard of? Ephus. Yeah, Ephus was going to be my answer. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't know what an Ephus is. Or junk ball, right? I mean, but yeah, well, uh, actually, I I saw a video of you, Darvish, throwing an Ephus in a game. Uh, and, and I had to, I was like, what exactly was that pitch? I think it was maybe it topped out at like 68 miles an hour. And I was like, how is that not T-ball for a major league batter? Adam is actually the go-to guy on this as well. He was posting a video of Casey Fossum throwing what is effectively an ethos in the comment section on Wednesday. He, I think he was trying to say, is this a really slow curve? What is this? And <laughs> Jason Hamilton jumped in and he's like, that's an ethos. That's what we're looking for. And I think Major League Baseball needs more of the EFIS just because it's baffling and it's hilarious every single time. Absolutely. You really feel like you pulled one over. The guy, the guy at the plate is like, try that again. <laughs> just try that again. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you hit the zone. you got to hit the zone for it to actually be a good idea. Otherwise, you get credited with a wild pitch, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. So what else are you looking forward to in spring training? Uh, we need health updates. Johnny Venters is recovering from his third Tommy John surgery. we got other guys, Alex Cobb and Chase Whitley, are not relievers. They are starters as far as the organization is concerned right now. But they are also recovering from Tommy John surgery. There's also Neil Wagner. There's prospect Kyle McPherson, who's coming to join the Rays organization and recover. All these guys are injured. Their timetables are unknown as far as we can tell. A lot of them, probably all of them, are not ready to start the season, but they are reporting to camp, and that's really important. It's not a Matt Harrison situation where the Phillies are just like, look, he's not even coming. Like, don't even bother showing up. Matt Moore, last year, at least attended camp, but he wasn't able to participate. All these guys are going to be in camp. They're going to be holding a baseball and hopefully throwing a baseball as well. What do you think we're going to see out of Blake Snell this season? Is he going to come up? in the fall and and get a chance to to get in some starts probably it's really hard to tell he is depth right now he is starter number six until alex cobb and chase whitley are healthy i don't think he's going to break into the starting rotation out of spring the rays have financial incentive to keep in the minors for a little while at least to extend his rookie status an extra season but also he jumped three levels in the minors last year and pitched really well at each of those levels, but he needs to come back. He needs to acclimate to the major league system, work with Jim Hickey for the first time, the bullpen coach for the first time, possibly the first time. I shouldn't project that it's a matter of fact, but I don't think Kevin Cash has ever seen him pitch in real life before. And we can't just pencil him into the starting rotation yet. He needs to get a good firm ground under his feet. What am I trying to say there? 
Yeah, no, I I understand he needs to definitely put in the innings and 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 I mean his 2015 was incredible. Looking right. at what he did at all at A double A and triple A, I'm uh, I'm curious though. Uh, only reason why I bring it up is obviously he's he's super highly projected on all of the the prospect ratings and rankings from this season. I mean, Baseball America had him at 12 with a 70 fastball. You know, that's that's elite level fastball. Mm. Um, you know, MLB Pipeline, baseball perspective, had him ranked a little lower. But nevertheless, though, he's obviously projects to be to be an ace for this staff. So it's it's going to be exciting to get a chance to see what he can do. He's going to be the truth. I really think so. I don't think he's going to be everything to start the year. The jump from AAA to MLB is massive. And making that transition is going to be really hard. He's probably going to be the fourth starter for a little while. And even once he's in the majors, it's going to take him time. He might be the best pitching prospect in the system, but that doesn't make him the best starter in the system. He doesn't have the experience that even Chase Whitley does, who came over from the Yankees. Um, I would put him on the pecking order below both of those Tommy John guys. I think Adam Wilk even has a shot to be in the majors before Blake Snell just because the Rays are really careful with their prospects and they want to keep them in the minors as long as possible so that when they're introduced, they're introduced with success and they don't have to struggle. Sidebar, when it comes to actually bringing guys up through the systems, I've heard sometimes when you have these these big arms that that are probably major league ready, they just don't have the resume uh, Mm -hmm. underneath them, that sometimes they they hide out in, in A ball and then they kind of leap past AAA such that they don't end up having to deal with the clubhouse issues of having like the quadruple A guys who have hit their ceiling. You, you don't see that as being something that the Rays have, have made or employed frequently in their history, do you? That's not really something that we've seen from the Rays. They really like to slow cook their pitchers. Jacob Faria, Jake Faria. Uh, I'm excited for him to break into the majors just so I know which one is correct. But he's just been working his way up through the minors. Jamie Schultz is going to be pitching at the AAA level in Durham next year as a starter. I think the Rays really see him as a starter. I'm getting way ahead of myself. But it's not really something we've ever historically seen from the Rays. We've never seen starters jump from AA straight to the major league level. It's possible if it's a reliever. Um, I think Brad Schreiber is an interesting example. He could be closing for the Biscuits to start the year, and I think he could be in the majors by the All-Star break. I wouldn't put it past him because he's just got a really good mentality on the mound, but I don't really think it's something we're ever going to see. Okay, so Danny, as pitchers and catchers start to report, we're looking kind of deep here in the catcher position, and I'm really curious. The Rays have acquired Hank Conger in the offseason, what what's your take on on the catcher situation and how it all bears out? It's a three man battle at this point. Hank Conger is third on the depth chart right now out of seniority, just because Rene Rivera and Kurt Casale have been there for a while. But I do think Hank Conger's parents can you know start buying tickets. <laughs> I don't think they need to be worried about him. The projection systems love him. Even Pakoda says he's worth at least three wins above replacement, which is very generous. Um, there were concerns with the arm game, but that was less than 30 attempts. He had trouble throwing out runners. I'm not worried about that at all. I think he was an incredible addition this off season. And I think he's actually going to contribute. And between him and Kirk Casale, you actually have power potential, which lends itself toward that new hit show that the Rays are building and targeting power. So 
you have to think that both of those guys are the front runners. But it's not just because of offense. Because Rene Rivera does have a history of being a great pitch framer, which we know the Rays value. And he has a history of working with the pitchers for most of the his first season in the organization. But last year, he really fell out of favor. You know, he went from catching 70 games in the first half to appearing in only 31 games in the second half. And by September, he appeared in only eight games. And when it came to batting, he made 15 plate appearances. Rene Rivera fell off the face of the earth as far as the Rays were concerned. They were putting J.P.R. and Sebia out there to see whether or not they liked what he had to offer, among other things, about his offense. But Rene Rivera was gone. I don't know why. And when I've asked around, I haven't gotten really great answers on that. I think everyone's trying to be really nice about the situation and say, hey, coming into spring training, we're going to have three great major league ready catchers. Someone could get hurt. Rene Rivera has not been traded yet. So even though I would consider him number three, if Kirk Casale has more hamstring issues, if Hank Conger takes a pitch to the face mask and he needs to sit out for a little while, we're going to need Rene Rivera. And short of him accepting a minor league assignment, it's smart to keep him around, at least in depth. So I would put him third just based on how his September went. But injuries happen. Injuries at other teams happen. More trades could happen. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see who comes out on top. Yeah, it's interesting to note that of those three, Rivera is actually the oldest one at 32. Mm. Aaron Sebia, 30. Casale, 27. Hank Hunger, 28. Casale, Probably has an option left. I'd have to research that. Um, my first instinct is to say that he does. So in a worst-case scenario, it's possible that they could roll with Rivera if they wanted to. But I do think Hank Conger, despite being the new guy, is the one who's safe. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then who's a pitcher to watch that we haven't talked about so far on the show? I mentioned him once, but everybody is sleeping on Jamie Schultz right now. And I don't think that's a great idea. Uh, we haven't rolled out our top 30 prospect list yet at the site because we're allowing the community to vote on a top 30. And Jamie Schultz hasn't made it in yet, and we're at prospect number 24. And I think that's a big mistake. I have him in my top 20. Um, I think people are going to be surprised about where I have him, but I think the Rays really like him. He's continuing to start, even though he has more of a reliever profile. Matt, um, when he put together his top prospect list, he said he would have had Jamie Schultz at 17 if the Rays were treating him as a reliever, um, but felt discouraged that he was still starting. I don't think he needs to be discouraged. If you were to, this is spoiler alert for my top 30 list when it comes out, but if you take Jamie Schultz's numbers in AA last season and put it side by side with Chris Archer's AA results, I think you would have a hard time telling who is who. And I think Jamie Schultz is on the Chris Archer plan to figure out his control problems, get his walks down. And I think he's going to be a very good major league pitcher. Very interesting. So we've got a little bit of a sleeper for, for all you dynasty league players out there. Absolutely. That wraps up what we wanted to talk about in our first episode. Pitchers and catchers are here. We don't need to get really far ahead of ourselves, but there are really cool things to talk about coming up soon. We want to talk about the health of the offense, the position players. We want to talk about other position player battles. We have a three-way veteran battle between Desmond Jennings, Rene Rivera, and James Loney for who can be healthy and who can be productive and who can make the 25-man roster because someone's probably not going to make it. And for our next podcast, there's a high probability we'll be doing our first hit show interview with none other than Neil Solons. Wow. 
how amazing will that be to just go right into the to the heart of the the pre-show and and get neil's view and it'll be just amazing to have a chance to chat with him I mean, he's the man on the ground. When we talk about pitchers and catchers reporting and we need to listen to the radio for this interview, he's the guy out there getting that information and he's asking great questions. So having his perspective, I think, will be really valuable. And that's why I want to sneak him in early. If it's not episode two, it's probably episode three. Neil is the man and I'm really excited to bring him on. All right, everybody. We'll stay tuned for that. Great job, Danny. I will see you next time here on The Hit Show.